We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tweet this. What is going on, Rotogrinders? Dean here. It's <laughs> Dean 7904 in the DFS circles. We're live on a Wednesday night NFL Pick 6 show. Uh, of course, it's kind of a funky week. We're going to be talking some Thanksgiving uh, games, the two games that have survived. We'll talk about that briefly. Uh, and then, of course, we'll get to the main slate in a second momentarily. If you guys are watching this on a Friday, just trust all the picks for Thursday were perfect. And you guys missed out. And then you can just sort of fast forward. You see the graphic when it sort of jumps to uh, the other games. We're not talking about the Thursday games. That's it. Bring in the usual suspects. Uh, batting first, late enough. Hey, John Daigle, you're uh, you're no longer with uh, you're no longer with Evan Selvo. We missing out. You're on the road. You moved on. Uh, how how is uh, how are things? Are you going to be okay? Have you written? Have you emailed? Have you texted? Are you and uh, Selvo doing well? I think I'm going to be okay. It's clearly a gloomy day. And also, I've heard that my internet may be laggy, so we're going to fight through that tonight as well. Either way, we're doing better. I will admit that I watched Peter Overzet's stream, the Swolecast stream, much today, earlier today, and I got very jealous that my friends in life were already drinking at 2 p.m. So I have a bottle of champagne ready to go, and we are coming in hot to the Pick Sick Show, which is superior to the Swolecast, by the way. Why is it ready to go? You can't. You can drink during. The, there's, I mean, there's no. Uh, I didn't sign anything. I hope you didn't sign anything. As far as we can, if you're thirsty, feel free to kick back on uh, Grandpa's cough medicine. It's. I, it's, it's I do. Anyway. When I tip back my coffee cup on this show weekly, I shouldn't admit this secret, but it usually does have alcohol in it. Having said that, <laughs> it's now okay because it's the holiday week. I can actually say that now, so it's fine. You're spiking the eggnog. Uh, can, can you give us a fun fact? What, what did we learn about Silva? Give us something that like kind of surprised you. Can you give tell the people? You know, take us behind the curtain for a second. Any any uh, fun fact that you learned? Uh, you know about uh, Evan Silva and your day to day. You know, uh, still a mini, but one of the ones he would probably not get mad at me for admitting is <laughs> that rather than cleaning dishes, he throws them away. I had to correct him on that. <laughs> Has he heard of paper plates? Is that not an option? We, we started instilling that option later in life. Don't worry. <laughs> I just know a couple of years ago, I saw him at an RG party and he, he took foosball very, very seriously. I'm not sure if you're a Still does. Okay. Still does. <laughs> what's, what's going on, Rich Rebar? You know, of course, some sharp, sharp football analysis. Rich, if you happen to have a, a Silva anecdote as well, uh, feel, feel, feel free to, to share one. Well, you guys used to do this show together a couple of years ago, so you, you, you know each other well. Uh, do you, have you ever roomed with Silva? Or I'm, I'm assuming not. Probably not. Yeah, man, multiple times. All the stories oh. about Evan, no, I can't share any. I can't share any <laughs> of the stories. <laughs> None are appropriate. <laughs> Do you have any uh, on Twitter? By the way, if we hear notifications in the background, that's uh, 
because of Juju Smith. Uh, he, he retweeted you today that your, your phone's dinging all, all night long for sure. What uh, a disaster. <laughs> um, it, I mean, what a nightmare. It's not Juju Smith talking about the game being canceled. It's people giving their Thanksgiving food takes. Do you have a, a, a hot – is there a take you want to give the people, Rich, or just pretty standard? Uh, pretty standard for me. I mean, obviously, we're not going anywhere this year, so nothing extravagant. There's no reason to go whole bird or nothing like that. I'm – I don't know. I don't, I'm not against or, or really, you know, super pro, you know, Thanksgiving food either. I mean, obviously I feel like a lot of people that don't like Turkey have never had a real good Turkey, but I understand that it's bad. You know, it's easy to mess up Turkey, you know, and, and overcook it. Um, but I'm not real big on like food holiday traditions. I like, uh, I like it to be random. I like, you know, maybe I want to have a, a taco Thanksgiving or, a, you know, a lasagna Thanksgiving or, you know, do something different. And I have an aunt that does that. So uh, we've, we've mixed it up a few times. I like those a lot more because when you have multiple families and you got to travel and go place to place and you want to just eat the same meal at every, every spot um so I, I like to mix it up i like that i like all different things we're going to be talking the uh, the thanksgiving two game slate of course if you guys are not aware the baltimore pittsburgh game is now moved till sunday uh it is currently on the main slate for dk i don't know if it's going to be on Fanduel's main slate or not no idea what's going to happen there if they're going to move it or just kind of like give it like a showdown spot I, who knows we'll see stay tuned Thank on that you, everyone Everyone that wants to play Marquise Brown a favor, they're just going to save him. Yeah, now, I was. I, it's a Thanksgiving miracle. I, I was going to play yeah. some Marquise Brown. I, I got. Saved. I got so upset that people weren't going to play Marquise Brown. Like I thought that was the edge, and not playing him on the three game slate. But apparently, oh. we're not going to get that anymore. Oh man, yeah, I mean, he played twenty three percent of snaps last week. I, I saw him drop a pass too. Of course, he had the goose egg as well. And man, uh, he's. It's, you know, I'm not here to name names. But uh, if I'm going to say there's one person that's costing the most money this year, it's probably our Hollywood or maybe maybe Duke Johnson. That, that's a good segue, I suppose, to the Thursday night slate. Uh, Two-gamer going down Thursday night. It's going to be Houston versus well, – I should say was it Thursday afternoon, 1230 on the East Coast. Houston, Detroit, Washington, Dallas. Uh, open it up for us, Daigle, because, again, we're not paying for Dalvin Cook. There's not a lot of studs necessarily on this slate. It's kind of, sort of, somewhat a pick em. Uh, cash games sort of build themselves, obviously, in tournaments. Ideally, you want to find a way to be different. Uh, I guess we could start at the quarterback position. And, well, I mean, how, okay, how do, you, how do you get away from the, the obvious chalk here as far as quarterback? Um, you know, we're talking about Watson is what projected for at least five more points than anybody else. That's your cash game quarterback, of course. But in tournaments, give me a path. Paint me a story. Uh, that, that's, that says that Watson's not necessarily the guy in tournaments. The only path I have, because it's the same one I've been trying to paint for myself all week long, is that maybe the Lions' offense isn't bad without Kenny Galladay. Maybe. Like five full games now without Galladay. Stafford's averaged 6.8 yards per attempt. He's been under six yards per attempt in two of his past three games without Galladay. But to this point, he's played the fourth toughest schedule in the league. So maybe against the Texans, who we know can't cover the Lions, it's better. Having said that, if you're trying to sell yourself on, on Marvin Hall, like as a deep play, as I've heard some shows say earlier today, the fact is like Marvin Hall's usage was there, but Marvin Hall is not a eight, nine target guy. Like Marvin Hall is still Marvin Hall. And the fact is without Kenny Galladay and especially DeAndre Swift, uh, this offense is simply cratered. Um, so, you could possibly 
sell your stuff from Stafford. I'm trying to talk myself to it even right now at literally a quarter, if not lower, of the ownership behind Watson, who we know is going to come in 65, 70-plus percent owned in this four-game slate. But that's really the only narrative contrarian I have for this game. Yeah, uh, Rebar, you know, that's probably the correct number, give or take. If it's 60% or 55 or 65%, obviously uh, Watson's just going to covet so much ownership. And you know, he's the only quarterback amongst the four that has legs. Stafford was referenced. And, you know, both these games, huh, not terribly, you know, jumping off the page as far as uh, as far as totals. Like what is a 50 and a half as far as Houston, Detroit, which is nice. 46 as far as Washington, Dallas, not as appealing. You know, Andy Dalton on the back, you know, he's in the back nine for sure. Alex Smith might be on hold number 18. Um, you know, it's, it's Watson's world, but anything can happen in a one game sample size. So if you're going to, you know, start with a quarterback and start with a stack, as far as tournaments, if you're going to get away from Watson or just say, Hey, let's just click the lock button and go well over the field as much as we can. You could do that. I think if you want to play Watson in tournaments that the play would just be co-contrarian with your stacks, you know, don't be the team that stacks him with Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. Uh, you know, are doing that's that? the way, what's that? Are people doing that? <laughs> Is that a strategy that will be implemented? Well, I mean, you look at last week. He got there. He had 30 points. Neither one of those guys scored. So, I mean, you hope he runs it in. You, I think that's the only way. If you're going to play Watson in tournaments, I think you got to get creative with the build because I think, you know, you're just going to see a lot of those two guys paired with him uh, for obvious reasons, obviously. You know, uh, Wolf Fuller's got six touchdowns. Cooks has three. Um, but you can get there maybe with – People trying to play Kiki QT. Maybe the pivot is they play two. Maybe they play more two tight end sets. Maybe they play more two tight ends. Maybe he throws a touchdown to Duke Johnson. Uh, I think that's the only way. That's the way you get. If you're going to play him in tournaments and and match the field, I think you need to get creative with the way you stack him. In general, with this slate, I think you need to be not scared to leave a lot of money on the table. Definitely on the slate uh, because there's going to be so much overlap uh, with just the two games now and removing a lot of big ticket items. You just don't need a lot. You know, it's not like we're just trying to wedge guys in. We we don't have that problem. You can play whoever you want, basically. So don't be scared to, when you're making lineups and trying to have some uniqueness to your lineups, don't be scared to leave a lot of salary on the table on the slate. Just I, I would imagine that the, probably the winner will have a lot of salary left on the table, uh, that if there is one winner that's unique. Um, but I do think when you, in Watson's case, you, you, if you're going to go with him, you try to find unique ways to stack him or not stack him, you know, at all. Cause I said, you look at last week's game, he got there without either one of those guys doing uh, anything. It's probably a, a, you know, not, not a normality, but you know, it's possible. Um, I think on the other side, I'm a little interested in Stafford. I see his projected ownerships a little higher than what I thought it was going to be, but still, you know, in a pottle place. I mean, Houston just doesn't rush the quarterback at all, man. Like, they don't get any pressure. They allow a ton of passing points per game. They're 28th in the league. And you've seen Stafford, like, his bulk stats are real bad at Galladay. If this was, like, a, a main slate, I would never try to sell you on this. But the fact that it is, you know, four quarterbacks, and we've got one that's basically going to be have two-thirds of the ownership, uh, you look at Stafford, this game is a 50, it's not the highest total of the two games. If it can get there, Houston's defense is bad. And he's thrown three touchdown passes against the Washington football team and the Indianapolis Colts, basically with Kennedy, Kenny Galladay out both games. So there is still a ceiling with Galladay out of the lineup too. It's possible. It's in his range of outcomes. He's shown it against better defenses than this. So 
sure. I mean, we can get there. Uh, we get we we can get there with it. Because if this game pops in totality, someone's got a long for the ride on the Detroit side. And I mean, it it's got to be Stafford, right? Like if, if they're going to match, like I mean, it's like if if Watson goes off to the point that we think it's not going to be just DeAndre Swift like running it back if he plays. Uh, you know, they're going to have some passing some passing volume. I know. Uh, jump in there, jump in there, Diego. Go for it. Oh, I know I'm taking Silva's place on the show now by citing Dr. Chow, but Dr. Chow doesn't think Swift will play. So oh. we'll go with that. Also, uh, we know that Stafford, if he's successful, it will likely go to Marvin Jones. And Marvin Jones, by the way, who had a touchdown, I know the Lions offense cheated. They were in a legal formation, but he had the touchdown negated. Um, so that would be the player that's likely going to come in probably like 20% under-owned compared to Fuller and Cooks, who everyone else is going to play. So it's a pretty simple solution to stack Stafford if you think it's going to get there. Uh, if it were a normal slate, like Reeves said, I would never play Stafford in a million years with Galladay out. But a four, but a two-game slate with only four teams where the other quarterbacks we have questions about as well, like, sure, why the hell not? Uh, you know, the, the most, uh, you know, owned tight end is going to be on there for, for the Lions, uh, Hawkinson, for what, for what it's worth. And, yeah, I, it's funny. I thought Swift was going to play in my head. He's going to play. And I was reading it. I don't, I'm not too savvy with the, the levels of the protocol as far as concussions. But somebody was saying he's in level four and he's got to clear one more level and we shall see. And I assume if he is cleared, like, it wouldn't be an issue as far as uh, durability. It's, it's just a concussion, right, which is serious. But it's not like an actual, like, injury where he's going to nurse an arm or nurse a leg or something like that. So I assume he gets his normal workload. And if he's out, I guess you got to look, you know, hold your nose and at least take a peek at Adrian Peterson uh, if they're ahead, if you, if you think they're going to be ahead, or maybe carry on in some catch-up mode. But uh, I think the running backs are pretty appealing as far as the Washington-Dallas side. We didn't talk about Duke Johnson as kind of a passing, but, you know, in theory, he's on the field a lot. But, like, I guess not all snaps are created equal because, like, he doesn't get, he doesn't get the ball thrown to him, and then he runs it. He runs it like three yards, but the matchup, of course, is pretty good here. Uh, for the running back position. Well, that's the thing is that these both of these teams are are their weaknesses. There, well, the Detroit's they're both pretty bad at defense in totality, but they're both so bad against stopping the run. But neither of these teams run the ball well, especially yeah. without DeAndre Swift. Uh, that is like the, the biggest problem. Uh, well, you know, you you always because you want to look at that, you want to say, all right, we're going to get the elevation here, right? But you can't do that with these Texans. With like David Johnson wasn't that guy before. We could never really, adjust, uh, you know, elevate him just solely on matchup. Uh, they're not catching passes. Um, I mean, and honestly, like this, you know, Duke is fine. I think he's even like a fine whatever floor RB two in season long leagues because that's where we are. But I mean, we've got two teams that don't they they throw the ball better than they run it basically. So I mean, two teams that are really bad against stopping the run. Houston is the worst team against stopping the run. Um, by a long shot, especially giving up chunk plays. But if it's Adrian Peterson, we don't want any part of that really, even though he'll probably end up scoring twice with on the he'll have 45 yards and score two touchdowns. That's what'll happen. Um, but uh, it, yeah, that's the problem though. And I mean, I think that you, you like, sorry, I think the Houston tight ends are interesting. Like I said that maybe they play more two tight end sets. Jordan Akins, you know, had five for 83 last week. Uh, you know, see if he gets involved a little bit more. We know Darren Fells, especially on a short slate, like he always could score a touchdown or two. They use him near the goal line. Uh, I don't think it's just a one-off where QT just becomes Randall Cobb by any means. Yeah, I mean, people get lean on him as a cheapie, 3.4K on DK. Dago, what are your thoughts? Clean up this game so we can move on and talk about Washington-Dallas. Yeah, well, I think you let ownership dictate, you know, go to Rotor Grinders, subscribe, 
get the ownership numbers and let that dictate how you stack Watson because if QT comes in under owned, I'm very interested. But if Akins is looking like the better play, I think he's a great option. Um, it's a thin tight end slate. Every week is a thin tight end slate, let's be honest, except if Kelsey's on the main slate. But Akins was used differently last week in that he was involved in competitive game script, whereas prior injury, he was only involved in negative game scripts, and otherwise it was Darren Fells. So at least we have that going for us. So I, I'm actually more interested in Akins in this game than I am QT for sure. I think Akins is like honestly the best tight end play even over Hawkinson in a vacuum on this entire slate. I doubt QT will be chalky. Like I said, there's no with that game, yeah. that late game being removed, that there's just like so it's not hard to get to the plays you want to. Like it's not like you're just picking QT out based on salary now. You know, you're 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 gonna be playing him either for uniqueness or to just get it for something different. You can play anyone you want to play. You don't need the salary saver essentially. And then you know, again, like uh, to speak to that. And you mentioned the uh, the RG, uh, you know, the projections, the tools, things of that sort. You can get uh, $5 off your first month. Uh, Devin, go ahead and drop that link in chat. What's up, YouTube? We haven't said hello the entire time. YouTube, like, subscribe. We do appreciate that. It does help grow the channel. Gets these free shows out to the people. Uh, get yourself $5 off the core four. That's football, baseball, basketball, and golf. Basketball right around the corner. Um, yeah, so I did 300 simulations, you know, 300, quote-unquote, optimal with some with some tinkering. And Cutie landed in 9%, and our projected ownership right now is 5%. And this stuff is all fluid. The closer and closer you get the lock, the more precise that number gets. And there's still some incomplete information out there as far as Swift. We don't know who he's going to play, and that'll, you know, there'll be a domino effect, obviously. McLaren, I assume McLaren's going to play, but we shall see. Stay tuned. He's questionable as well. Uh, speaking of McLaren, he's in that game against Dallas uh, in a dome, both these games in a dome. Uh, McLaren against that Dallas defense really popping for me. I know it's Alex Smith back there chucking, but. He's been perfectly fine and funny usage too. Uh, a pretty concise offense as far as McLaren. If just as long as McKissick is not stealing all those catches, I want I want it to be a Gibson week. Uh, let's talk about the running backs first here, Daniel. As far as Gibson, as far as Elliott, if you want to stretch out and talk about McKissick getting those two yard catches, your thoughts. What narrative are you telling yourself? Like you have to do storytelling in Showtime slates and two game slates. So it just depends on the game script you think dictates for these running backs. Having said that, the past two games, they have played more snaps on the field together because they've lacked the receivers. I was actually excited about playing Cam Sims. I've never said that in my life before, but here we are on the Thanksgiving <laughs> slate because he ran 27 routes on Smith's 28 dropbacks the past week. But with Dontrell Inman back this game, we know Cam Sims is pretty much out of the rotation. Instead, it's Steven Sims locked into the slot role inside of McLaurin and Dontrell Inman. So I think McKissick honestly has the second highest floor among all the running backs on this slate, assuming Swift is out. And that's why I'm leaning to him as one of my favorite plays because nine points, in my opinion, like it doesn't matter in normal slate, but in two game slates, like that's probably what's going to carry you across the goal line here. So if the if Washington falls back behind the Cowboys, which I also don't expect to happen, then it'd be McKissick clearly because of negative, negative game scripts, that's the guy. But even if they're ahead, the fact that he's now being used on the field at the same time as Gibson, I think his pass catching floor is like far too high to just remove him from the field altogether. He's like one of the players I'm actually locking in no matter what. Wow. Uh, it's funny. I want to make Gibson happen more than McKissick, and I believe Gibson just kind of eked them out as far as uh, as far as snaps last week, and I think that's partially due to the fact that they were ahead. If they're behind, they're more likely to be chasing. Well, they will be chasing. Of course, that's how it's going to go, and McKissick is more the receiving back 
Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to assume that Zeke, you have at number one, right? Elliot's going to be your top uh, running back. I, I, I want to ask both of you because I don't know. Like Zeke <laughs> in four games prior, like basically went busto, and then he comes back after the bye. I always had this little offensive line shift, right? Like Zach Martin, all pro right guard to right tackle. Joe Lunian for Tyler Biotish at the rookie center. He went on IR. And Andy Dalton was pressured on only four of 34 dropbacks. But again, that was Minnesota who's not rushing the passer anyhow and has a terrible secondary unless they're playing Nick Foles. Like everyone who has a tremendous secondary when they're playing Nick Foles. Now it's Washington who is basically living off of their front seven, a nightmarish one. And so I kind of think the Cowboys offense and the Cowboys offensive line or foe, and I want to bet against that in this game. I could be wrong, though, so I want to get y'all's opinion on basically fitting Zeke. Yeah, uh, Rich, you jump in here. My, my thought is, like, I don't love Elliot. If he was in the main slate, I wouldn't be playing him, but I have the money, and it's about raw points. I guess I will. Uh, Dalton is there, and it's not the Nucci, and Dalton's not spectacular, but I think he actually gives you a little bit of stability, the veteran savvy of Danucci was a disaster, and then Dallas was a disaster for, what, three straight games or something like that. Um, four, maybe four. I don't know. <laughs> I might be rounding him, uh, rounding down and selling him short. But, uh, yeah, I, I, Dalton's not spectacular, but I think he stabilized that offense to some degree. And Elliott, dollar for dollar, is not great, but I have the money, so I might as well. What's your thoughts, Rich? I mean, you're just talking about from just a, a touch projection. I mean, there's really no one that can compare to him at the position on a slate, even bad or bad or worse. You know, he could be terrible and get 19 touches, and he could be great and get 19 plus touches. I mean, we know what we're getting here. Whereas, you know, Gibson, assuming Swift is out, uh, you know, Gibson is like the next best back we would turn to. Uh, but they have to have positive game script for him to kind of hit his ceiling. And so we've seen like both of those two running backs that watch in the backfield is so split on how the game script goes. I mean, in the two wins that the, the football team has since week one, when McKissick started playing, he has three catches and two catches, four targets and two targets. They just don't need him when they don't like you feel he's locked into that role. Maybe the play is if you want to get unique of a stat, you play both and you can cover your game script like a couple weeks ago when they played the lions. Cause if they do get inside the five, it's, it's been Gibson on every carry, but one, uh, you know, over, over the past several weeks. So, I mean, you can cover your bases that route, but um, McKissick just hasn't been involved when they don't need to, when they don't need to, to play catch up. Um, they are road dogs though. So the signal would be that they will. I think that Washington's a live dog. I just don't think Dallas is, is capable of like pulling out and boat racing anybody. Well, not a de- and not a defense that's um, as good as, you know, the football team is up front. I do agree with Daigle. I think that a little bit of the pressure stats that were just a little bit coerced by, the Vikings in totality, you know, they don't have Daniel Hunter. They trade Yannick and Gakwe too. So, I mean, their pressure rate stats on the season, which aren't good to begin with, are even worse more recently because after moving in Gakwe, who had led the team in sacks at that point. So you look at Andy Dalton too. So he wasn't even pressured, right? You know, like Daniel said, four, four of his dropbacks, he's pressured. He's still only threw for 6.3 yards per attempt. Like, I mean, ah, against the Vikings, like they're still, it was everyone, everyone was still floor plays. They, he, they got him there, and he made everyone usable, but it was just usable. So, like, the Cowboys, I don't think, are going to bury are, are gonna bury the football team here. Uh, so, I mean, Gibson, I think, will be involved until he can't be. Uh, we, he, had 20, he had 20 touches. The season had 20 touches when these teams met. I doubt that they just completely shut them out and shut them down like they did the first time, too. There was some weird weather in that game, too. Um, 
but I mean, I think they're going to get after Dalton a little bit more than the Vikings did. Uh, it, it, it's tricky. I mean, it, circling back to Zeke, though, I mean, we know one guy is, you know, kind of in, projectable to get the most touches out of this position, and it's him, and he's not tough to fit in on any level, um, where he probably would have been, uh, you know, a pretty good fade otherwise. We could have got creative. I remember last year, though, I mean, he was running hot and had a good matchup, and everyone played him, and he didn't score. So you just need him not to score if you don't play him, really. Like, you just need him not to get a touchdown, and you can really combat him. But uh, the, the, the fact that we were removing a game from the slate gives you a lot of uh, – it makes it a lot leaner to get an edge. That, that's the thing. If DeAndre Swift plays, he, he, in my opinion, is the number one option here in this entire slate. But if DeAndre Swift doesn't play – like Zeke's touches, even though they may be bad, are still probably priority here. So I will have him everywhere. Yeah, and the knockdown from three games to two games also, like you can break your correlation rules. Like as you suggested, you know, mm-hmm. it's okay to play Gibson. and Mc- Like you almost never would do that in an 11-game slate because there's so many other players and so many other spots that like a different combination is going to overtake it. But there's only so many guys can do it, can do things in a two-game slate. And, you know, like in showdown slates, you can break those mm-hmm. traditional rules because goofy things happens in one, one game slates and nobody else is around to, to overcome that or be, beat that sort of pattern. So, uh, yeah, I think you can do it. Yeah, jump in here. I, I think he even break like the tight end correlation on a two-game slate that we know everyone's going to play because it's genuinely the most fun slate to play all year. Like, normally you would stack your tight end with your quarterback. With only two games, hell, maybe you go to Washington Cowboys and then you, you do Hawkinson and then Duke Johnson maybe to get the touchdown equity um, volatile, of course, but the touchdown equity over the over Deshaun Watson, if that's the case, too. So I, I think in this small slate, you don't need the quarterback to play the tight end either. Yeah, and one of the other big strategies that like, we kind of lost, you, you kind of have it to some degree, but traditionally one of the biggest edges in the, the Thanksgiving Day slate is that there's three games at three different times and understanding how to pivot depending on how the first two mm-hmm. games have gone for you. Yep. But, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of sort of lost that to some degree. But yeah, I mean, you'll have half the, you know, you'll have one game to kind of work with and kind of get yourself out of a hole or try to play catch up and do something goofy that doesn't make any sense because, if, you know, everybody in front of you has the better play, but you can't beat them if they have the same guy you have. Even if he scores 70 points, it doesn't work that way. Uh, the receivers in this game, uh, you know, what do you have for me, Rich, as far as the Washington side? I kind of mentioned McLaren in passing. Uh, Dagle talked about Sims. I guess we should say Steven Sims. I want to get all technical. There's two Sims there. Uh, and then, of course, the Dallas guys are, you know, big names and they're pretty cheap. Yeah, I mean, McLaurin's pretty easy when you look at Dallas. I mean, they got Jadobia Wuzier back last week. He didn't make any difference. Uh, they lost Trayvon Diggs. Anthony Brown now is expected to miss multiple weeks. It's it's just bad at the back end there. It's it's rough. They just don't have the bodies. Um it's really just McLaurin, though. It's hard to trust him. You look at his share of targets and in, in, in air yards, it's really his show. Uh, so, I mean, it's hard to go to any of those guys. You really have to – if you're playing any other Washington pass catcher, you just, you're just you really just chasing a touchdown. If they don't score a touchdown, there's nothing you're getting out of those guys um, uh, as far as, like, counting stats go. There's just not – the targets aren't there. And if, and if Washington paces them, I mean, you look at they, – they had 28 dropbacks when these teams played the first time. Last week they only had 27 dropbacks. You need them to, to fall behind. I mean, they'll really they're willing to throw it. We saw the previous two games when they fall behind. You just need Dallas to get out ahead uh, in this game. So you need something to happen, whether it be a turnover, Dallas scores early. That's what you need to have happen. You know, Dallas to get up for the if you're playing the Washington pass catching side that isn't Terry McLaurin. 
Um, because that, that's what you need. You need volume to kind of float those guys. The Cowboys, I mean, there's a pretty much a, a good amount of clarity what we have. I mean, the sample's still small, but I mean, Amari Cooper's been like a floor-based player. I mean, he has at least five catches or 67 yards in four of his five games post Dak Prescott, but not much of a ceiling. Uh, but as far as the targets go from Andy Dalton, he's been easily the most efficient target. He's got 20 of 25 targets from Dalton, uh, a team high 224 yards. Uh, Lamb is getting similar target volume to Cooper from Dalton, but the yardage and everything's been a lot more volatile. Uh, and he even had a zero when, when these teams played the first time uh, and was goosed. I will say he'll, we will, he'll catch a pass tomorrow. Um, but then you look at Washington, they're allowing a 3.4% touchdown rate to opposing wide receivers. That's fourth best in the league, uh, points per target to fourth best. Like they just, they're not giving up a lot per target. And we just talked about Andy Dalton facing Wash or Minnesota, a team that's terrible on the back end and put no pressure on him. And he's, he's under six and a half yards per attempt. Like there, there's not a lot of ceiling for these guys. You need someone to break a big play. Cause also when you look at Washington, in teams in the NFL this season, they have uh, have run 24 plays inside the 10-yard line against them and just 11 plays inside the five, the fewest of any team in the NFL. They will give up touchdowns, but they're long touchdowns. They give up big play touchdowns. And Dallas only has one guy that really gets downfield targets, and it's a guy no one's wanted to play all year outside <laughs> of the one game you hit for us in Seattle. But I think if you really are playing a Dallas guy, the guy that has the most correlation to where the defense struggles – is Michael Gallup, and he still leads the NFL. Um, he's second in the NFL in routes run, so he's out there exercising. Um, he's the guy. I mean, he's the guy that lines up with where Washington gives up big plays in the receiving game. Uh, so, I mean, no one wants to play him. We haven't wanted to play him for over a month, but uh, he's the guy that makes the most sense, to be honest. Yeah, Daigle, uh, put a bow on this. And uh, as far as a slate, as far as the receivers, as far as this game, everything we're going to move on as far as the main slate. And yeah, can that Dallas line the block long enough to, to let Gallup get downfield and actually throw the ball? Again, can Dalton uh, give it to him? Does he have a chance to, to kind of break the slate? I don't know. And honestly, uh, Alex Smith is my second favorite quarterback on this slate behind Deshaun Watson. Um, having said that, I will say, and this never works, by the way, I'm still going to be the donkey to talk about it, that remember CeeDee Lamb is the pump returner for the Cowboys. Oh. And we've, only seen it, we've only seen it work one time this year. Cordero Patterson, who had 14 touches, but was otherwise very bad outside of uh, returning the, the kickoff for a touchdown. But CeeDee Lamb, Dallas Cowboys, defense that's not going to get played on the slate, I think is a very interesting correlation. Yeah, uh, Cordell Patterson had that revenge game double dip on a showdown slate, which is like, wow. I mean, it's it if like, you don't have it, just go to bed. Three, three hours for touch is not double is not revenge game, but sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he returned the kickoff, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let, let's move on as far as the main slate. Hey, yeah, if you guys are watching us on Friday, welcome to the main slate. Uh, if you guys are watching us uh, live on a Wednesday night, what's up? Hey, YouTube, like, subscribe. Hopefully, hopefully you guys uh, are enjoying. Maybe you have a night off, the day off tomorrow. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Have a good time. All right. What we do here on the show, we focus on usually three games with just two games this week because, again, we talked a lot about the Thanksgiving slate. Uh, the two featured games, batting first, leading off. We should say we're not talking about Monday night or Sunday night. Uh, we don't really have any takes. We're not going to be throwing them out there today as far as Seattle and Philly. That could be a fun game. Chicago and uh, Green Bay as well. But KC and Tampa, it's high. It's tight. 56. Biggest total on the board, I believe. KC is a uh, one and a half point favorite here. 
All right, Rich. Uh, Mahomes, like the clear, I mean, he's just so much better than everybody else. It's completely insane. Uh, from a DFS perspective, how much are we prioritizing a guy like Mahomes? Uh, of course, Allen is, we're going to talk about Allen in a second, the matchup there with, with the Chargers. It looks, looks like a phenomenal DFS uh, game to target as well, which again, we're featuring that next. Kyle Murray, of course, on the slate as well, too. Uh, hopefully his shoulder is all right. We shall see it's just a Wednesday night, but let's start with uh, Mahomes on Kansas City. We love him or what? I mean, I mean, everyone loves Mahomes. Uh, it's this game in general is very interesting because you know we've got we've now seen this happen repeatedly where the Buccaneers have flamed on prime time, and <laughs> their previous three losses they've come back and scored thirty one, thirty eight, and forty six points. Uh, you know the angry Tom narrative. I think Brady is interesting in this game, but we'll talk about the Chiefs for a little bit because uh, so the so the Chiefs have they were eleven weeks into the NFL season right now in the books. The Chiefs have only been on the main slate five times. And one was a bad weather game against Denver. So, like, they've kind of been out of sight, out of mind. Like, we have not regularly been clicking the buttons on Chiefs guys throughout the course of the main slate. So, like, I've, like, especially the last game against the Panthers, like, these guys came in way under owned. Uh, I don't know if we'll get that again this week because, I mean, they are expensive. They, like, it's not cheap to play these Chiefs guys, the horses. Um, you got to pay all the way top dollar for them. Um, but they really have not been on the main slate a lot. So, you know, we haven't really been playing a lot of them. Their ownership tends to come in under. But from a schematic stance, I'm really curious to see how this game plays out. So the Buccaneers are naturally just – they smother the run um, and invite teams to throw on them. So you're inviting the best passer in the NFL to throw on you to start out just inherently. Um, and you look at the you look at the Chiefs. So they've thrown the ball on 61% of their first down plays outside the fourth quarter. It's the highest rate in the NFL. Opposing teams throw 62% of the time in neutral game script out of the fourth, outside of the fourth quarter on Tampa Bay, the highest rate in the league. So we've already got some symmetry of the Chiefs want to throw, and if you're going to invite them to throw, they're willing to throw, and it's not what you want them to do. Then we also have the Buccaneers. They blitz 38% of the time, the fifth highest rate in the league. The one thing you don't want to do, pass for Holmes, is just send extra defenders. He has just destroyed the blitz over his career. This year's no different. He's averaging 9.4 yards per attempt versus the blitz as opposed to 7.8 otherwise. That's why we've seen a lot of teams just drop back and play shell coverage against them throughout the course of the season. They've tried to invite them to run. Uh, the Chiefs have kind of pivoted the last few weeks. They did it against Carolina. They did it against the Jets. They said, no, we're just going to keep throwing on you. We don't care. You're going to invite us to run. We don't care. Uh, we're just going to throw, throw, throw. And that's what they've done the past three games. And um, the Buccaneers are going to invite them to do that. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, I'll pivot back to the other side, but uh, just when you look at the, like I said, the, the Buccaneers have, have clapped back after every loss and the chiefs have been the, the two past quarterbacks that they faced have paced them. Derek Carr and Teddy Bridgewater over 30 points. I think Brady had like, especially in this slate where there are not a lot of cheapies. I think Derek Carr is a cheapie. We might talk about later, but uh, I think Brady's in, is in play. If you're stacking this game, I think he, I think he can bounce back and have a really good game. We know he has the weaponry. There's a lot of stacking potential here. Um, I don't think anyone's going to want to play Brady because he's been getting dunked on for the month, like the for the past week. He's getting dunked. On. His head coach is dunking on him. Like it's. <laughs> I mean, I think Brady is pretty interesting. You know I mean, it is sometimes. Yeah. Well, we we did this against the Panthers, right? Like Brady had a primetime game, came back in a normal slate, and then he just dunked on the Panthers for three thirty and four touchdowns. This is what he does. I to be fair, I really do not think it's a real thing that 
he already admitted, like reporters, of course, they already have the article that he goes to bed at 8.30 p.m. Eastern every night. Um, so I don't think it's a real, I don't think it's a real narrative that he sucks in prime time because he goes to bed. Having said that, I think it's funny as hell that he's averaged 5.7 new per attempt in prime time with five touchdowns and five interceptions. And every game, like Rich said, he bounces back because they're never in back-to-back prime time game, at least yet. Um, this season, so I think it's a tremendous. This is for its worth. It's not a night game, but it's not. A it's day hilarious. Game. It's it's hilarious that he's so bad on island games. So like, if if it's like a Eskimo or whatever who just shows up to America and they tune into TV and football, they see the Bucks on primetime only, and they're like, "This team sucks. Why are they ever on primetime?" Well, buddy, you got to watch them in the afternoon slate because they're amazing. If you watch them out of the night games, anyways. To Rich's point, he took he took the good ones already, but the fact is, last three weeks. The Chiefs have changed their motivation pretty much to win Patrick Mahomes the MVP and move the ball to the most efficient way possible. The highest pass play rate in the league overall. The highest pass play rate in the league, neutral game script, and most importantly, highest pass play rate in the league whenever we're leading the game. So I think it's – I don't know what you have in ownership on your end, Dean, but like – if Mahomes, who has come in under-rostered the past two times he's been on the main slate because everyone gets too cute with Chiefs' implied team total and rosters Clyde Edwards Hilaire instead, like Mahomes is still the GOAT every main slate, especially now that the approach is clearly there for him. The, uh, the next game we talk about, we'll have the two highest projected on the quarterbacks, uh, Buffalo and the Chargers. Oh, but, uh, and again, this is Wednesday night. Things happen. It's fluid, yada, yada, yada. I got to throw that out there. And I ran my 300 lineups, and Mahomes uh, popped up in one, one optimal lineup, which is absolutely crazy. And, and we're seeing three percent, three percent ownership for. Uh, I'm sorry, three percent ownership for, for Brady, and the ownership right now is a super early, obviously. But Brady's never going to show up in a good projection right now because right. the one they're overweighting the Chiefs' defense. So the Chiefs' defense is is good, but you know when the Chiefs' defense is good when they're ahead. The Chiefs, the Chiefs are, are really good when they get out to, you know, a double-digit point lead and Spags is just dialing up blitzes. But when you can pace the Chiefs and you can keep you can keep game script in your favor and you can run the ball, they give up yards. Like, they do not have a lot of individual defenders that shut down opposing defenses. Like, Chris Jones is awesome. Tyron Matthews is awesome. And it's like a bunch of guys. But when they get up 10 points, they get up 17 points like they do in all these games – they just dial up blitzes because you can't run the ball on them anymore uh, because of game script. And they're just sending extra defenders all the time. And, but when you have in there when in game script, like they've been these last two weeks, you see it. Teams can matriculate on them easily. They, they're not like a, a, a great defense in neutral game script. It's they got to get out to those leads that their offense puts them to. That's when their defense is, is good. And, and why I prioritize this game over the Chargers-Bills, which I love, by the way, but I want the ancillary pieces in that game, and I want to target this game, is because Bucks secondary is also being overrated of late. Uh, Derek Carr, 280 and two touchdowns. Daniel Jones, 250 and two touchdowns. Breeze, 220 and four touchdowns. Teddy Bridgewater, 130 and two touchdowns before he was injured mid-game. And then this past week, Jared Goff, 370 and three so clearly, no matter what they do against Mahomes, he can still attack and win. And that's why I want this game over the other one we're going to talk about. Rich, I, uh, well, Rich, I mean, Brady. I'm okay. glad. What's, uh, well, I mean, uh, you, you look at the Bucks defense, and I think that their stigma is definitely outweighed, especially the last several 
and stuff. And after that game, uh, you know, in week in week six, they come and they just blow the doors on Aaron Rodgers. You look at look at the amount of yardage they're allowing per week. The Raiders got them for 350. The Giants had 360 on them. The Giants should have beat them. I mean, if Daniel Jones doesn't, he sees a wide open Darius Slate and he's got like a 70 yard walking touchdown. Uh, the Saints put up the, the the Saints put up 420 yards against them, basically not even trying in the second half. Carolina, the first half, put 17 points up in the first half before you know Bridgewater gets hurt. And you know they they and the Panthers always they suck in the second half anyways every game. And then the Rams put up 400 yards on them last week. This this Bucks defense is giving up a ton of yards, uh, you know, since that since that Rodgers game. Evans, Brown, Godwin, Gronk. Who do I pair with Brady? Is anybody kind of jumping off the page, or it's kind of like the Colts, but like a better version of? We don't know. Uh, Mike Evans and Antonio Brown have 26 targets each, a 20.8% target share in the last three full games, or the only three full games, I should say, they've played together. Chris Godwin has 22 targets as a span. The issue, of course, is that Mike Evans, like Adam Thielen, like Devontae Adams, is being prioritized where we want targets. Uh, nine red zone targets, five end zone targets, compared to A.B. and Godwin's combined two. Just one red zone target each in that span. Brady looks to Evans whenever they reach inside the red zone, and then it's very clear who he's going to throw to. So that is the number one receiver among this group. Uh, last week we talked about uh, no opportunity cost at tight end, unless, of course, you're playing on Fandle where you just lock in Taysom. Uh, tight end was an absolute disaster on the main slate for DK, missing all the top tight ends. Uh, Ingram, Kelsey. Kelsey's back. Well, Waller's back on the site. Um, Andrews was good. Andrews was good. Andrew, yeah, yeah, Andrews. What, yeah, Andrews and Hawkinson, the two. Well, Hawkinson was, yeah, I think 50 yard, I mean, yeah. 50 yard Hawkinson. That's what he does every week. <laughs> <laughs> so, how much do we prioritize Kelsey? He can separate himself from this slate. He can score 10 more fantasy points than every other tight end. Rich, uh, you know, of course, he's expensive. He's going to be the normal salary cap. He's pricey. Uh, how much do we uh, delegate? How much do we prioritize a Kelsey? You know, it seems like a lot of people have gone with the angle of, going cheap tight end, right? You know, just just going cheap tight end, basically punting tight end. But what if the play is to go cheap wide receiver three and start paying for Kelsey? Because if you look at Kelsey, he's scoring as many PPR points per game as Keenan Allen. So, like, if he's not going to be priced, and he is on DK, I think he's eight or he's seven. I mean, I'm, uh, I might be mistaken. He might be eight on FanDuel and then seven on DK. But if he's not good, but he's basically a top five wide receiver, though, basically is what I'm saying. So why not take him for maybe a thousand dollars of savings that you typically would have to pay for a top receiver and punt a punt at wide receiver who has a higher ceiling than a punt tight end? Like I can play Denzel Mims at thirty five hundred on DK and he's got a way higher ceiling than any tight end I'm going to play at three K. Uh, so maybe you pay for Kelsey. Maybe that's the move. I mean, look, I said, look at the amount of just points. He, he has 380 more receiving yards than the next tight end. Like he's scoring like a top five wide receiver per week. Already, already beat his touchdown total from last year. Uh, already, already beat his end zone targets from last year. I mean, the guy is just a, a locked in entity basically at this point. So, I mean, maybe the, the play is to pivot and punt wide receiver three, play Kelsey instead of, you know, paying for a wide receiver and then, you know, punting tight end. Uh, he's just so by he's so far ahead the best tight end uh but it, it's yeah so maybe that's the play i do got a mia copa i think a few weeks ago dean we talked about tyree kill and i talked about how he had been like a floor play wide receiver yeah. and and since then since that point he's starting to get just jammed with targets um 
Over his opening six games of the season, he had six or fewer targets in every game but one. Now you look at uh, the, the past four games, 10 targets, 18 targets, 14 targets. Now, if Tyree Hill's going to start getting that many targets for his upside, I mean, we're talking that that because he can always be a guy that hits on six targets. But, man, we're talking about the kind of targets he's getting lately, the, that amount of value. It's amazing he hasn't put up, like, a 170 yet. Or, like, a you know, like, he's scoring a ton of touchdowns. But it's amazing, like, he hasn't put up, like, a really bonkers yardage game with the amount of value that he's getting. And we already talked about, they're going to drop back and throw a lot in this game. Even if they want to run, they're not going to be able to. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Tyreek has really come on. I mean, he scored a touchdown in every game but once this season. But I just look at the value he started to get compared to the front of the season, and there's a big tide shift in, in just the amount of targets he started to see. Even even if, like, you don't play Mahomes, but you run the Hill and Kelsey, and then you run it back with the lower-rostered double stack of Brady, Brown, and Evans, like – it's it's so interesting. Like this game in particular, I absolutely love this league. And again, um, that means probably you don't get to roster Dalvin Cook in this slate. But if you have the high power passing offenses, I'd prefer that anyhow. And I'll I'll find the running backs. High power passing offenses, at least at least the fantasy quarterbacks we want a piece of for sure. Justin Herbert at Josh Allen. The Chargers at the Bills, fifty-two and a half is the total. The Bills are a five and a half point favorites. Uh, Rebar, you want to start us off as far as this matchup? Well, I mean, this is it. I mean, you look at, you kind of hit on it. It's, it's Herbert and Allen, and the reason they're owned is we're talking about always touchdown equity. Uh, 86.3% of the touchdowns the Chargers have scored, Justin Herbert is accounted for via passing or rushing. Uh, Josh Allen's at 84%. That is third in the NFL. So, I mean, when these teams score, the quarterbacks are doing it. Uh, so that's why they're going to be high owned. Uh, also like the chargers, like they just don't play normal games. They've allowed <laughs> 28 or more. They've allowed 28 or more points in seven straight games. And look at these past five games. Some of the teams they've played the jets, the dolphins, the Broncos, the Jaguars, like they're playing shootouts with teams that do not shoot out <laughs> with anybody. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's really wild. Uh, it's interesting because the chargers are like their defense shows up to be good on a peripheral, like p- per play basis, but they give up a ton of passing touchdowns still. Uh, they're good from like a yards per attempt perspective, but they have a lot of touchdowns. Uh, they find a way like, teams find a way to score points on them. Uh, Josh Allen is coming off of the bye where he was a top five quarterback again, the previous two weeks. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a game that's set up to be, uh, very high scoring. Herbert has been so good. I mean, it's oh. 20 or more points the past seven games. Through nine starts, he has the most passing yards in NFL history. He's third in touchdown passes. He's second in amount of uh, games with multiple touchdown passes. Uh, only Kurt Warner has more through nine starts. Um, Buffalo is allowing a league high 57% completion rate on throws 15 oh, yards or further downfield. Herbert is third in the NFL in fantasy points on those throws, only behind Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Uh, I mean, this game, it has what you're looking for. The weather's supposed to be good in Buffalo. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's set up. It's set up. I, I think the Bills are probably more narrative street. Like, they've been sitting on that, that you know, Hail Mary loss for two weeks. I, I think they're going to come out and play well. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at this game, and it's like, yep, there's a reason why all this ownership's going to be here, uh, especially surrounding those two quarterbacks. And, and remember, like, nothing in Buffalo happens – without it 
planning to happen because Brian Dibble is too intelligent of a play caller. And in the two weeks before their bye, Josh Allen had 87 pass attempts to 22 running back carries. They just started putting it all on his shoulders and said, screw it, kid. Go out there and get it done. And it's been amazing for fantasy. So against this team, Rich said uh, over 29, 30 points the past four games. I'll take it back to week four. They've allowed 30.8 points per game, and that's a seven-game sample to opposing offenses in that span. So Chargers, due to injuries most likely, have not been a good defense, and now they're getting Josh Allen and a pass-heavy uh, attack. It's, it's an amazing game as well, honestly. We're, uh, we're not sure as far as some injuries. Eckler may come back. Stay tuned on that. If he doesn't, I think Belagia is certainly interesting. It's still a reasonable price. Uh, he scared a lot of us last week when he got hurt in the very first play or the very first series, but he did come back like a champ. wasn't spectacular, but at least he gave us a score. Uh, John Brown also not practicing just yet. Uh, and, yeah, let's not bury the lead as far as the receivers. Diggs and Allen on both sides, I believe they're 1-2 in the league as far as targets. Both absolutely spectacular plays. Great to – you know, cash game pieces, if they fit the build for sure. I love them uh, as far as the floor. Uh, anything else here, Dago, as far as this game, or shall we move on? No, I mean, a lot, actually. Uh, Stephon Diggs, his <laughs> yeah. two, two games without John Brown. Stephon Diggs, targets per game. It's only two games, of course, but they've jumped from nine and a half to nearly 14 per game, a, a four-target-per-game jump. So the targets are there for Stephon Diggs. Of course, uh, Cole Beasley in those two games has gone from – Typically, 49th in fantasy points per game among wide receivers to 15th among all wide receivers without John Brown. And then uh, Tredavious White for Keenan Allen. You're still probably confident in Keenan Allen anyways. And not to get Rich started on a tangent again, but uh, Tredavious White has only moved to the slot for 13 snaps all year. So Keenan Allen, who has seen double-digit targets in every game except that game against the Dolphins from Justin Herbert this year, minus the game that injured mid-game, of course, um, yeah, it's pretty clear where he's going to go. Kalen Balazs, DNP on Wednesday. Austin Eckler, on the other hand, practiced on Wednesday. So maybe it's a little bit clearer than we think as well. So, yeah, it's. I think the target tree is simple here, honestly. Well, Balazs yeah, got hurt like at the end of the game as well. It wasn't just early in the game. He also got hurt at the end of the game mm-hmm. as well. Uh, on the, I believe it was the final drive he got hurt, which kind of went under the radar. I was making sure to earmark it to follow him in practice this week. He also, I don't know if it was a re-injury or the same injury, but he came off. It might have been his last touch of the game, uh, came off the field. I would say John Brown never has practiced on Wednesday all season, so you got to wait till tomorrow. Yeah, He hasn't practiced on Wednesday all season, so we've got to wait to, to like see what happens. Uh, to see what happens. But uh, Mike, Big Mike's been coming along for the ride. Listen, man, Big Mike. Uh, at least at least seven targets in four of his past six games, double digit points. He's got like a four yard game to keep us honest. You never go all the way in with Big Mike. But uh, <laughs> the thing about Mike Williams is, and you're like, well, yeah, he plays seventy percent of his routes on the outside. Like the types of targets he gets, it doesn't matter who the hell's on him. Like he gets vertical targets and he gets end zone targets, and they're all 50-50 balls anyways. Like so, like it, it, you're not really you don't really care. You, we're never playing Big Mike and Cash anyways. Um, but he's been coming along for the ride and starting to starting to hit his stride here, you know, the past, you know, six weeks as well. 
uh, as Herbert has kind of started to trickle it down. Even Hunter Henry has gotten in the in the box the last two weeks. The yardage isn't there, but uh, you know, a lot of people in season long leagues will just take the t- touchdown from the tight end and run. It used to be like old uh, fantasy college where like if you when you had to roster a tight end and if your guy scored, you're just so happy. You're like, oh, thank God. Like, I just got a touchdown for my tight end. That's kind of where we are this year if you don't have <laughs> Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why I was so antsy to move on from this game. We're a little bit behind on time. We went long as far as Thanksgiving. And I think, you know what the reason why? I wanted to get to our ad read. The holidays are oh. here. <laughs> have, you, have you made your wish list yet? Our sponsor today has the number one wished for gift of the year. It's Manscaped. You guys know Manscaped. The best in men's below and above the belt grooming. Manscaped is here to ensure you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hairs with their new performance package. Ho, 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 fellas. Naughty or nice, tis the season to perform. It's Christmas season. If you're having issues downstairs, if you're having issues upstairs, you're in luck because Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and makes for the perfect gift. Imagine opening an attractive box that says, your balls will thank you. That says it right there. I'm just, I'm not making that up. That's not an ad lib. It apparently says, I'm told, according to this transcript, yeah, the box says your balls will thank you. So there you go. Uh, with the most sought after gadgets and scents a person can find, it includes, uh, including this package, it's the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor power 360 degree rotary dual blade system. That's like a, that's like the, the Dalvin Cook of weed whackers. There you go. Uh, here's the deal, guys. 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Uh, why not use the best tools for the job here? By the way, just 79%. What are the other 21% doing? <laughs> are into that? I mean, Rick's 21% right. of sick people. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not here to judge. If everybody's happy and everybody's having a good time, by all means, I've had it. But, you know, uh, whatever. Teach his own. Uh, this bundle also includes the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, your body, all three B's. The dads can't stop talking about it. The teens, I'm told, again, this is what it says. The teens are secretly buying it. The women love it. Uh, tis the season to Manscaped to get yourself, your dad, your brother, friends, anybody, the best gift of all the Manscaped performance, performance package. Let's also not forget the they're famous. We don't want to forget anything. There's a big old list. Let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the crop preserver, ball deodorant, uh, and crop reviver, ball toner. I'm crop reviver. All right. Uh, there you go. Ball toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive not one, but two free gifts, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. The performance package is the best value that Manscaped has to offer and is hot off the shelves. How do I get this? 20% off, free shipping. How do you do it? Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code ROTO. That's R-O-T-O. Thank you, Manscaped, for making our holes look sexy. A line I've never said in my life. Uh, Once again, 20% off, free shipping, promo code ROTO, R-O-T-O, at manscaped.com. Go whack your weeds and make Santa proud. You think Santa would use the? Uh, he probably could. I don't know what's going on downstairs, but upstairs, you know, who am I to say? But uh, he probably could use it. Sure, why not? Uh, all right, seamless segue. Oh, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I'm gonna get a drink. I'm exhausted. Uh, Rich, uh, some quarterbacks we haven't talked about. Who's popping up the page for you? 
Uh, most of the guys I'm mainly I'm going to play, we talked about in those games. Obviously, I'm going to follow a lot of those. Like I said, I think Brady, Brady's my undercover guy. Uh, I, I think Derek Carr is interesting. Obviously, we've been down this road before, and we need Julio to play uh, just because the Falcons have been so bad when Julio hasn't played. Uh, and there's probably more to it than that, but I'm just going to run with it. They've been awful when Julio hasn't played. Uh, but they Atlanta has allowed a league high uh, 20.3 passing points per game to opposing quarterbacks. They've allowed 18 or more. Um, fantasy points to every quarterback they face except for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, seems to make a lot of sense. The Raiders' offense is good. Uh, obviously, Carr is not a guy that's probably going to crash a lot of high ceilings, but uh, he's fine uh, for the most part. Also, going back to just Kelsey for one second, Kelsey outscored Taysom Hill at tight end last week. He outscored a quarterback. Oh, wow. Just seeing how good Travis Kelsey is, he outscored a quarterback. That's a, I, I did not get to join y'all for Sunday morning, but – on the Rotor World Sunday morning show, I said I'm starting Tasty Miller every tie in except Travis Kelsey because I think his floor is higher. So shout out to me. <laughs> uh, how do we feel about Taysom this week, by the way? Uh, obviously, he's no longer tight end eligible on Fandle. They bumped him up on DK, bumped him up in Fandle, but still playable. Not just, you know, not an amazing matchup here, uh, you know, against Denver, perfectly fine on the road out of the dome, which I don't like either. And, you know, in theory, he's got legs. He can run like 50 yards or so or something like that. He, he was efficient. People were trashing him, but he was efficient from what I saw. And he had that 50-yard bomb mm-hmm. down the field. He kind of sort of got lucky on, I guess. And uh, not passing the ball with uh, to Alvin Kamara was a bold choice, Cotton. I don't know. We only <laughs> ran 11 pass I'm... routes. What yes. is, what, is that going to be fixed, or is that the game plan? What's well, going on you have two. Well, you have two things. Remember, he did not practice on Thursday. And Bingo. he said, no, I'm fine. And then practiced on Friday. But he didn't practice in that toe injury. And his snaps, he had the lowest snap share of the season, uh, and he only ran 11 pass routes. So, I mean, uh, he might be a little more ailing than we thought. Obviously, too, we have a mobile quarterback, which, you know, it's tried and true. Like, we've seen this before with mobile quarterbacks. You don't always check it down. You're going to run yourself. You're going to take off. Uh, They didn't run any designed runs uh, in the first half of that game. Granted, they started scoring their touchdowns when they started adding designed runs. I mean, you proved your point, Sean. You didn't score. You had three points at halftime. You proved your point, and then you start scoring touchdowns uh, when you start running design runs. Um, I mean, I thought Taysom, obviously, he was a better passer than we. I think many of us thought he might be in that game. Uh, still made a lot of mistakes. I mean, he was better, like, when he could just play. I thought yeah. when he had – I thought when he was, like, under structure to read defenses, his processing was slow – uh, and you know, I'm no quarterback guru. I mean, you talked to Matt Walden about this, but I thought when he had to make plays and there was pressure and he had to move and just play, he was bet. He, that's when he, I thought he, he made the, the play made plays that I was like, Oh, he, this can, this can really work for him. Um, but the, other than that, I mean, you look at though, this matchup, uh, I think this is a game where he's going to have to run though. Uh, obviously he just faced the third. We just talked about the Falcons. I just did with Derek Carr. Yeah. Uh, they're awful. They go to points to everybody. Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles scored 30 fantasy points against them. Uh, the the Denver is they've got a defensive minded head coach. Vic Fangio is going to have something for him. We saw he had something for Tua last week. Yeah, uh, Saints are better. Saints are a better defense or better uh, uh, offense than what the Dolphins are going to put out, especially on the offensive line. But Denver is third in the league in pressure rate. They have 28 sacks. That's seventh in the league. Uh, they're they're a terrible run defense. So I mean I would assume the game plan is going to involve more. Uh, RPLs, more Taysom Hill running this week than it did last week because Denver is just a way better pass defense than the Falcons, and you're on the road. Something about playing in that stadium uh, is a little different as well. Uh, I think he's a, he's still a good solid floor play because I think he's going to run more. Um, 
But I think that the matchup is definitely a lot harder and we'll see a lot more proven as far as his passing acumen goes in this matchup. I think it's Julio Jones' presence. Like, if Julio Jones plays, Derek Carr is the better, cheapy play because we know Derek Carr is going to have to uh, punch back. He punched back for over 30 attempts last week against Mahomes, which is what we expected. But remember, in three games prior, averaged 24 pass attempts per game. But if Julio Jones doesn't play, we've seen Matt Ryan in two full games without Julio be the QB 26 and 27 of the week, and thus Derek Carr will go back to fewer than 24 pass attempts per game, and it'll be a Josh Jacobs and, respectively, Devontae Booker game. And Taysom Hill will be the better cheap play. Having said that, as much fun as Taysom Hill was, and do not mistake that, Taysom Hill was the most fun I've had all year long. Whether it was him rocketing a ball at the light of scrimmage or rocketing a ball underthrown 50 yards deep, um, he was amazing to watch play. Six for six under pressure, by the way. And the Falcons created the seventh highest pressure rate of the entire week last week. Um, having said that, the Broncos still, like Reeve said, third highest pressure rate in the league. Also, altitude matters more than home field advantage this year. And so that's what I'm worried about. A 30-year-old making his first career road start in altitude. So a little bit uh, skeptical to both those cheap guys. Yeah, it's easy to forget he's 30. He was in college for like, I don't know, six years or something like that. And I think he Well, BYU, they go on the mission. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kyler's probably going to be ignored, I think, which is kind of sort of somewhat interesting. Uh, you know, New England's been vulnerable. I know they're getting uh, what Seymour's going to be. What, is that the, the secondary? I don't quarterback. Gilmore, wide receiver, so, Gilmore. yeah. Who they, they, they did have Richard Seymour for a long period of time. <laughs> he's on it's, NBC it's a, now. Or like there you go. He would be like their 12th best defender right now, give or take. But uh, all right. Uh, any other quarterbacks you have for us, Dagle? You want to pivot to open up some running backs for us? Uh, I'm looking at my notes because I forgot what I wrote down. Rich, you go first. I got to find my stuff. <laughs> um, I, I was, I mean, listen, no one needs to tell me, tell you guys to play the, the Browns running backs, especially because, you know, the Browns, uh, they run the ball on 63% of their first down plays uh, outside the fourth quarter. It's second in the league. Uh, they're going to run, 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 run. Jaguars have trailed for the most plays in the NFL. Pretty easy to play the Browns, guys. On DraftKings, I know it's going to upset the YouTube chat, so plug your ears for a minute. Uh, on DraftKings, James White is $4,500. Um, Rex Burkhead, now obviously pour one out for Rex Burkhead. Uh, he is out for the season, so there is no one else to play this role in this offense now. And we've seen it. He caught six of seven targets for 64 yards. Uh, he played 39 snaps, ran 20 pass routes, his highest in a game since week four. The Patriots are dogs at home. Uh, $4,500. There's not a lot of cheap plays on this slate. I, I'm not playing Wayne Gallman, guys. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, someone else can talk about him. Because um, if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's going to be terrible. James White cannot score and still be good at $4,500. Uh, I think he is a really solid play. Uh, he's no threat to hit that role now when he didn't even have the role, which is crazy. Um, what happens if they're up by 10 or something like that, though? Then there's like just Harris run the ball ton and maybe some Michelle. Yeah. I mean, do we believe that that's going to happen? Like what, what's the probability? I mean, they just lost to a team that had only beaten the Jaguars. Um, also like for James, White, so I love James White game script for this one week. Because the Patriots haven't stopped anybody with an arm, right? And maybe Kyler Murray doesn't have an arm because he's been limited or didn't practice at all with that shoulder injury from Thursday night. But if he can throw, this Patriots defense is a bottom five unit, honestly. Uh, Derek Carr, 
Russ Wilson, anyone but Lamar Jackson has been successful against him. Even Joe Flacco three weeks ago. So, like, I love Kyler Murray as well. Not only for the rushing floor, but assuming he's healthy, like, I think you can easily attack him through the air. And they're dead last. And yards for yards for pass play, the Patriots are last in the NFL. They're dead last. Yeah, they've they've been horrendous for sure. Uh, and then, you know, Dalvin Cook, like I mean, that, that's a foundation piece in your cash games. Obviously, a really good tournament play as well too. Uh, I'm not really sure how it's going to land as far as ownership because it's pending. You know what sort of value may or may not open up as the week progresses. Uh, Theo is currently questionable. Who knows what's going to happen with him as far as I, his, uh, go ahead. I'll be willing to go perhaps to my own defeat, but Camara overcooked this week in tournaments. Not only $1,300 cheaper this week, so last week was $9,500 and $9,200, right? I think that was the price. Um, They were very very similar on DraftKings. But also, like, everyone's now scared that the target share is what Camara's going to lose with Taysom Hill. But again, like Reeves pointed out, um, the first time all year that – Murray out-snapped Kamara. The first time I hear that Murray out-touched Kamara. Um, and to only run 11 pass routes is, like, egregious. Clearly, that's not his role going forward. One of the most talented players in the entire league. So I want to play literally Alba Kamara 100% of leagues this week. 100%. What about James Robinson, who plays basically 100% of the snaps for Jacksonville? And I know they had a quarterback change from uh, Jake Luton. You got to see what you have in Mike Glennon. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> he, what was his quote? I don't think I saw his quote today. Basically saying like, "Well, I don't know when the next time I'm going to start again. I'm just going to, I'm just going to chuck." Basically, is what he, he said, said. Like he said, "I don't know the next time I'm going to start. I'm going to air it out." Amazing yeah. quote, by the way. Uh, almost as good as Drew Locke's quote two weeks ago, where he said, "Like fifty percent of his throws, throws when he throws them, he says, oh no. Like oh, only a coin flip, by the way. <laughs> only half of them he regrets them." Yeah. Glenn has made 22 starts. He's, he's never thrown more than two touchdowns in any start. Amazing. Wow. Great. That's, uh, well, keep catching. And he's been around for like probably 10 years. He hasn't made a yeah. start since 2017, but only 22 career starts uh, because he's been so bad. Uh, <laughs> these these but, comments um, make yeah. me sound negative, but like, seriously, have we ever seen more teams just give up? In 2020, like the Bengals going to Brandon Allen, they they had uh, Ryan Finley active as the number two all year long, and they're not even going to him now. They're going to Brandon Allen instead, which makes it more what? like a way Jameis. Yeah, uh, Brandon Allen. I was looking at his college stats earlier today. I was curious if he can run like any, like if he has got any wheels. But appears that no. that's not a case. That's not a thing, and he's oh. super cheap and. Yeah, what's the is that is that just a tank mode thing? Like, what is that what's going on there? Don't even look at his college stats. Look at his forty six percent completion rate from last year. That's all you need to see. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, any other running backs that are worth throwing out there? I know. Uh, did you want to tout the Gallman? Clearly, Rich has no interest in hyping up the, the great Wayne Gallman. It's a good matchup, and he's cheap. But yeah, it's Wayne Gallman. Uh, pro, I don't know if he's going to be my running back pool, and I, I'm, I'll talk about him because I genuinely don't know at this time. I would not talk about him if he was completely out. But the pros are clearly that he's living off of, as Reeves says, touchdown deodorant. He scraped himself with it, and uh, Amazon <laughs> Warehouse may run out very soon. We don't know. But a season-high 19 touches without Devontae Freeman before the bye, and – a very good game script because we know Brandon Allen's going to be bad. We know that. We know the Giants are going to run the ball and Vonta Freeman on IR. So 
That's the point you're trying to sell yourself if you play Gallman. Again, more of a, like Damian Harris last week, more of a FanDuel play than a DraftKings play because he's not going to catch passes either. I love the idea of playing a defense against Mike Lennon in YOLO mode, but like, you know, no Miles Garrett hurts him to some degree, obviously, as far as Cleveland. And they're still probably in play, but just not that we don't, we talk defenses, but just the idea of Glennon back there just saying, screw it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, his Jake a cigarette in his mouth. I just don't care. I don't think Miles Garrett matters for Mike Glennon, to be honest. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Uh, running backs. Yeah, no Denzel Ward either. Are we done as far as running backs? Shall we talk about some receivers you like? Uh, Rich, what uh, wide receivers? Feel free. Well, I mean, listen, what's that? Well, oh yeah. Well, I mean, literally, if Dalvin Cook's gonna, if people are gonna keep trying to jam Dalvin Cook in, and his price went up again, then it just like last week, you just gotta play Minnesota passing guys in tournaments, uh, and then you, you as your as leverage, you just have to. If he's that high owned and he's that expensive, uh, you play Thielen if he plays. You play Justin Jefferson. Uh, you, you just got to do it, man, because you have to hope that he doesn't score a touchdown. Uh, or if he does, he has to work for it and doesn't have a super high ceiling. And he was great last week anyways. But uh, if you can get these the, the leverage plays, the passing game uh, there, um, I think running that back on the other side now that Teddy's going to play, uh, those Panthers wide receivers are always in play. They're a little tougher to nail. We now, DJ Moore has matched Robbie Anderson and weighted opportunity rating for the season. He's at 18 targets the past two games. Um, you know, obviously the narrative on DJ Moore's season has been false, you know, from the beginning. Uh, but, you know, he, in his past seven games, he's had 93 or more receiving yards in five of them. Uh, Anderson has had 77 yards or fewer in every game since week five. Anderson hasn't had a end zone target uh, since week five. He has three end zone targets on the season. DJ Moore is seven. Um, yeah, he's got a score from far away, basically is what I'm saying. Uh, so I think those guys in a game stack is interesting. Uh, Michael Pittman, are we going to run this back? He's pretty cheap. Uh, got in the box last week on the long play, uh, had a hundred yards against the Titans. So I don't know if Adoria Jackson, the myth of Adoria Jackson is ever going to come true that he's going to play. Um, yeah. And then if you want, you have the error yards guys, not the air yards, the error <laughs> yards. I say prayer yards, but I like air yards as well. <laughs> yeah, air yards. Uh, you have Jerry Judy, who we can mm-hmm. keep citing his his air yards uh, till we're blue in the face, but only fifty six percent of his targets are catchable. His catchable. I'd like to see his air yards are catchable <laughs> targets uh, to see to know what we're working with. And then Denzel Mims is arbitrage air yards uh, under Judy. Uh, cause he's got 458 air yards since he came in, 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 uh, since he was active, but only 54% of his targets have been catchable. So we've got a lot of air yards, uh, to work. Every with. snap he's he plays th- basically, he's in the field for every snap. He runs a ton of routes yep. and he's super cheap. 3,500. So Perryman has 21 a dot and Mims has a 20 a dot. Like literally Joe Flacco drops back and it's a 50, 50 ball every game. The difference in this matchup is that Byron Jones on one side, Xavier Howard on the other. No one has been more prepared for air balls or air yards than the Dolphins secondary. It's going to be a disaster. Well, Flacco already started against the Dolphins, too. It did not go well. <laughs> okay. let, me, uh, let, let me throw out one more cheapie into the conversation. KJ Hamler, uh, thoughts on if is he kind of more like air yards? Yeah. Yeah. He's 3.5K DK specific, which seems like a cheapie. It's interesting in play. And then how about the recency bias potentially or a revenge game also built in here? Jacoby Myers and Damian uh, Demir Burke. 
what are we doing with that? Bird, 4.1K. Myers, 5.3 against Arizona. If you're going to run it back, uh, if you're playing some Kyler or something like that, any of those guys doing anything for you for anybody? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Jacoby Myers a lot. As, as we know in DFS, you always run back the guy who fails one week and comes back, but has been proven. And remember, the three games prior to last week, Jacoby Myers still 40% target share in all three of those games, and then comes back and Demir Bird gets more targets. So I would happily go back to Bird and a negative projected in my opinion, in my brain, negative game script, because as we talked about earlier, the Patriots have not been able to stop any competent quarterback this year. They played some very bad ones, but against league average ones or better, they've been terrible. So Jacoby Myers, absolutely. I would love to go back to him. Rich? Sure. That means, he, <laughs> that right, means he's I'm not sold. playing him. That means he's not playing him at all. <laughs> I mean, listen, that, 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 was, all. The, was, that the was the first <laughs> last week. That was the first touchdown Cam Newton threw a wide receiver all season. You called uh, it. People, people have people have been citing you know Demir Bird regression for ten weeks. You got it. Get out now, because you, you got it. You, you, yeah. you finally circled the wagon. <laughs> Nobody circles the wagon. No, I'm fine with. I'm fine with your guys. I really don't have any pushback on either guy. I'm not gonna play Bird, but I will play Myers. I will play Myers. I think they're fine. The I Dolphins guys agree. are playable. I, I think Park and, Parker and Grant, I think, are playable. I saw somebody in chat talking about playing Rivers. What's up, chat? Feel free to like and subscribe, the whole deal. Uh, hit the like button, smash it, whatever. Yeah, I talked about choice. this. Uh, I talked about Rivers on my show last week on how there was just such an obvious signal to play Rivers, but he's just so hard to stack, you know, because – Half of his touchdowns have gone to these jabroni tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pittman at least is starting to give us some intrigue here for stacking. But the the Colts are just guys. Like their yeah. offense is, is just dude. It's just guys. So you just like <laughs> there's a reason why it keeps bouncing around. Like they don't have any stars. Uh, you know, and maybe Pittman turns into that, and maybe down the road Jonathan Taylor does that and builds his game. But you look at Rivers, he's been playing really well. And it's in really obvious spots. Teams that can't rush the passer on any level, Bengals, Lions, Packers, Titans. Then he had a dud against two, the Ravens, who blitz a ton, get after people. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy. I think Rivers is another good play. He's just so hard to, to stack because he can throw three touchdown passes to three different dudes that aren't even owned by anybody. But I agree that he is an objectively good play. Nobody had more than four catches last week. Nobody has more than a seventeen percent share of this entire team. It's a mess. I, I don't. And Pittman, I think, is the most appealing play if you're mm-hmm. going to play somebody. I don't mind Davis on the other side in that game for what it's worth. I think he's got a reasonable tag at four point nine. Uh, Dago, we're going to move the tight ends in a second, but the chat. Right, what about the big about. dog? We didn't talk. You mentioned that yeah. Morris Buckner is going to be out now for this game, and we saw oh, yeah. what the big dog did with uh, Calais Campbell Walker. and Brandon Williams out last week. I mean, he's going to get the ball. We know that. And, you know, no DeForest Buckner is kind of a big loss uh, in that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, for tournaments, for sure, as far as Henry and uh, – I mean, I oh, haven't yeah. built the catch game lineup yet, but in my head he feels like more of a tournament guy, especially mm-hmm. on DK where he's got to crack 100. He's got to get in the box because he's basically mm-hmm. not going to catch the football, unfortunately. Uh, Dale, you got anybody else as far as running backs or shall we – I'm sorry, receivers, or shall we talk about the, some tight ends? We always finish strong. If you're not – if you don't have the funds, you don't have the funds for Kelsey – uh, I think Waller is a really good pivot. Nice matchup as well, too. We talked about, you know, Carr, a uh, good pairing there. Uh, you know, it was a combination platter. Uh, some cheapy tight ends. Anybody do anything for you? Um, 
quickly on receivers, A.J. Brown, I think, is another good play. We saw Devontae Adams still spike that zone defense of the Colts secondary. I think A.J. Brown's another terrific position. Now seven targets, at least seven targets, and every game he's been healthy for, um, except for two weeks ago where he failed. But also remember he dropped that touchdown. Otherwise, the box score would look different. So A.J. Brown's still a usage-based wide receiver one. Um, cheapy tight ends, honestly, only one if Julio Jones is out. That's Hayden Hurst. Having said that, I will uh, preface this with Hayden Hurst in two games that Julio Jones had nine total yards running 90% of routes on Ryan's dropback. So be careful. The thing is, he's still 3,900. F it. It's tight end. Who gives a crap about tight end? Just play Kelsey or fade the chalk. There's literally the two options there. So that's my take. Rich? Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty much that, uh, you know, just from a philosophy stance. Uh, I think Jordan Reed is kind of interesting. Uh, sure. No, yeah. Nobody wants to play him, but, <laughs> but I mean, he's cheap. I think Evan Ingram's in a good spot. I mean, he's been in a ton of good spots. I get it if no one wants to play Evan Ingram. Uh, but I think it's a good place to get to you. The Bengals have a lot of five tight end one scoring weeks. Uh, some big games, the tight ends. Uh, so I think he's in play as well. Uh, but yeah, Jordan Reed is a cheapie, I think, if you really wanted to punt. Uh, was good against that in that Saints game. The Rams defense is always a tricky spot, but I mean, we know what the 49ers are going to do. They're going to try to run their offense and he'll get some targets. Yeah, I see uh, in the chat here, they were asking about San Francisco and they want to know about uh, Debo and Mostair and you're bringing up Jordan Reed. And I mean, yeah, as a cheap tight end, but I don't know about Debo. And I guess in tournaments, anybody's been playing 19 team total, uh, 19 team total here for San Francisco. Obviously not uh, an ideal target uh, team that we're looking at, but anything could happen. Do those guys do anything for you? Or I guess if you're going to play one, it's going to be Jordan Reed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do, I think Jordan Reed 3-6. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've only seen one game with Mostair available with Coleman and McKinnon week one, and he got 19 to 31 backfield touches. He was clearly the bell cow in that backfield. So when Mostair is healthy, no one else matters. But when Mostair is out, it's Coleman and then McKinnon in that order. So that's how I treat it. For fun, let's just One call cool this like a showdown. If it's a showdown slate, San Fran versus the Rams, uh, what's the exact box as far as the running backs to pick in this game? <laughs> I mean, well, Debo Debo's the best running back you could play on the 49 side. <laughs> uh, the last time these teams played, Debo had 96 yards after the catch and had 66 receiving yards. I love it. A dot, like negative three yards, whatever it is. It's <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, it happened. What are we, you do? Hey, listen, you can't shadow a guy in the backfield. <laughs> this is true. You'd be off sides. Um, <laughs> all right. We always finish strong here with tight ends. It's always a good time here uh, on the Pick 6. Feel free to like and subscribe over there on the YouTube. Uh, check out Manscaped. That was a fun read. So there's probably some good clips. Uh, Devin's got a soundboard now. He probably can get some good clips out of that. I have no idea, but he's been showing off on the weekends. Uh, our, our shows that are going you know, run throughout the week uh, for show, showdowns as well, too. You guys know us if you like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, Rich, tell the people where they can find you. I know they know where they can find you, but just in case. There's like one person that randomly walked in there. Who's this rebar guy? Uh, tell them where they can find you and the uh, Twitter machine and the whole deal. SharpFootballAnalysis.com, at Lord Reeves. Uh, you can find me uh, on those two spots. You can always find me Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, Pick 6 Show with John Daigle and Big Daddy Dean. <laughs> Same deal, Daigle? 
Uh, yeah, I drink so much champagne to match with Peter Overzet that I have to pee really bad now. So I'm going <laughs> to save my piece if I'm shaking and get literally run out of this show. Uh, at Najading on Twitter, Virtual Football Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We already have a Sunday preview out. And, of course, my friends, Reeves and Dean. And to promote another good show with my friends, I will be on the 4 for 4 show, Move the Line, immediately after this talking betting for the Sunday slate. Love you all. I'm literally going to go pee right now. I apologize to your bladder for running long. Thank you, chat. Like and subscribe. Uh, He was Rich Rebar. He was John Daigle, who's probably off screen now. Uh, I was Dean. This was football. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy week 12. We're out of here. Holler.